Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to Security and Secure. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest today started his career as a chef, then a mechanic, and then a property maintenance technician. However, once he had enough material, he was on the circuit from 2008, touring around the UK, spreading joy through his comedy routines. It took to be this year to be a mainstream act after winning the Golden Buzzer and going on to win Britain's Got Talent as the first ever comedian. So ahead of his install tour, which he's travelling around the UK for, and his appearance on the Royal Variety performance, I'm delighted to welcome to Security and Secure, Axel Blake. Hello, mate. How we doing? How we doing? Well, our golden buzzer, our Britain's Got Talent winner. I like to have that ownership. Our Britain's Got Talent winner. I like that. How do you feel? Because this has been a big year for you, mate. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did, it didn't start off like this, you know. So now it's ended up in people like, everywhere I go. People are like, ain't you that guy? I'm sure you're that guy. I'm like, yes, mom, I am that guy. <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's been a very crazy uh, few months. Is it weird that because... Obviously, you've been doing this for a long time. And so you've got your own following, you know, through social, through people have seen you at your shows. But then you've got this Britain's Got Talent audience that wouldn't necessarily come and see your shows because let's say it's for kids. You know, kids have seen it on Britain's Got Talent, but they're not your target. And so suddenly your whole target audience has changed. Yes, um, that's I found that very weird. But I'm here for it. I'm in the, the world of exposure and, and getting bigger and getting more known. So... It's, it's ideal for, for me as a comic to be seen by many other uh, audience members and for my humour to um, um, translate to them. So it's been very perfect. Have you found it easy to make it translate? <sighs> At first, no. Especially because I used to do a lot of adult comedy, you know, just talking to adults. And then now family friendly. So it's like, you know, like when you watch Disney Pixar and you've got there's adult jokes amongst the kid jokes that's kind of like the route i i, I took i kind of not on bgt but now moving forward it's like the adults get it and the kids can still laugh and yeah that's my that's my new route now which i always find really funny like at the christmas pantomime and i'll go to like five a year and so it's full of innuendos and obviously once you've seen one you've seen them all yeah. and so you're seeing it five times and you're looking at the kids laughing you're like you've got no idea what you're laughing yeah. at yeah yeah that's it. Innuendos. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. 
I love innuendos. Mm -hmm. What's your favourite innuendo? <sighs> Put me on the spot there. I've got this one joke about I used to, because I'm a foodie, I'm a big foodie. I even followed the hashtag food porn. But I was a bit disappointed when I first followed it. It's not what I thought I was going to see when I followed it. You know, I wanted to see salad getting tossed, but, you know, that's another. Now, if you know what that is, <laughs> do you see what I mean? Yeah, so you know what I mean, but just me saying I wanted to see salad getting tossed, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. So it's like that kind of that kind of stuff. Well, it's like pancake day. It's the only day you can get away with saying, how's your tossing? How's your right wrist? Yeah. You know? And every <laughs> presenter will do that because they yeah. know they can get away with it on yeah. that one day. Yeah, yeah. I love so, it. Yeah. A few innuendos here and there. So, yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, let's go back to the beginning of Axel Blake's life. Let's go back to you as a child. Talk to me about your upbringing. Upbringing, me, my brother, three years younger than me, my mum, my dad, happy home, happy family, nothing to complain about. Loved football. I went to a boys' school, Gunnersbury School, and I don't know why. I've, I don't know why my parents said, "Yeah, you're going to a boys' school." I think they just didn't want me distracted. Which probably made it worse because all the boys in the school just went to the sister school. Most most boys schools have a sister school. So we just all went to the sister school and all the sister school always come to our school. And because they didn't have you didn't have any um, girls in our school, it was more, I don't know, it's like it, it created more of a like, especially the weekends. It was like, we're going out and, you know, we're going to meet this girl and that girl. And, you know, it was instead of like when I see my son, he, he's in a mixed school. He's just like, yeah, my friend... Rebecca and uh, this, yeah, this. I don't know. It was a different type of energy because when I was his age, I was, you know, that's what the weekend was for, you know, mingling. I went to boys' school, loved rugby. I was a flanker. But it's interesting going to an all boys' school because that showing off gene had to come from somewhere. And normally, it's almost a way to get in with the girls, you know, mm. that way of, I'm a bit funny. I'm going to stand out. I'm going to flirt and make that humor. But where did that showing off gene come from? Because if you're in the boys, it's all about macho-ness and alpha maleness. And so, you're all kind of trying to outdo each other via sport rather than personality because personality with boys isn't really that important. Agreed, but disagreed because, yes, there was a, a pool of men, men, boys, that was, it was all about the macho and I'm a better footballer than you. You haven't, where's your moustache? It was all of that kind of stuff. But there was a lot of banter within the guys, as you can imagine, just like with friends, a lot of lad banter. So... We it was very much about the humor and it was about roasting. So when you have a cussing battle, how quick can you come back and your improv? So we built that improv uh, muscle very quickly, and um, I was quite good at it. And so was a few of my friends. And we we kind of there's about five friends I can think of, and it was just pure jokes. If you was to see us on the school bus. We're laughing within the next 30 seconds. Somewhere we're cracking a joke. When we're walking on the street, you see us laughing. Nah, could you do that? And that's what it was. So it wasn't necessarily with my pool of friends about matroness. It was more about the banter and fun. And I think that really worked that muscle for me. It's really interesting you say that because when I look at a comedian, there's usually comedy to cover a trauma. There's usually something that's gone really wrong that you're like, right, I've got to laugh my way out of this. You know, let's say my parents split up. That was my way of finding my feet is to laugh at it and therefore I became a comedian. You've gone the other route of it's just banter and it's just grown and grown and grown for you. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that a lot of comics, I know a few comics go through that um, route that you just said, but it'd be, it'll be, I'd love to see the stats on how many comics go through that. But yeah, my route was just, I just loved 
making people laugh, making the guys laugh, and when you go somewhere else, making the the girls laugh. Um, wherever you go, it's just there is a way to make people laugh, and I just enjoyed it, and I just just kept growing. And what did that do for you? Because like the dopamine levels, it's like social media. You get a like, you get a follow, you get a view, and you, your dopamine goes up. So that laugh, that that hit you get when you get that laugh, what did that do for you? Well, I don't remember how it felt as a teen, but what I can remember is the first time going on stage and trying comedy and speaking, and it's a silence. And as soon as you finish your sentence, the whole crowd simultaneously laughing, like all get it at one go. I remember that feeling, and that was amazing. Like, I just said something, and you all get it, and you're just like, ah, and now you're now looking like, what else have you got, what else have you got? You know, I remember that very clearly, very, very clearly. And that I suppose the dopamine must have been going crazy within my body because I remember that like, yeah, this is home. And it's that moment that goes, right, I can actually do this. Yeah. And yeah. that validation that you can, because you, it's one thing you write in the jokes and you know for yourself what's a good joke and what's not a good joke, but it's that validation that actually is funny. And it is as funny as I thought it would be. When I first kind of start the first few years of comedy you have your material you might have a strong 15 minutes 10 minutes whatever and it's like this this is solid airtight and it's so good every every show you do you smash it but then what happens you need to grow from that so then you need to try out new material and i found that in the early stages and an older comedian did tell me this it's like when you first start out, because you, you're so addicted to, I want to smash a show, I want to smash a show. You don't want to try out new material because you're like, it's not as good as what I, I've got. But now I'm at the stage where I love trying out new material. I find a kick in finding out. I don't bother if you don't. I know I can make you laugh. I know that. I just, I'm not here for that. I'm here to find out what new stuff will make you laugh. So I, I've, I found peace in that, but I never had that feeling before. I was always like, no, this is a new audience. You need to see, you need to see um, what I've got for you. And now I, I really enjoy like, oh, I'm going to try some new stuff. If you don't laugh, you don't laugh. But, and I suppose maybe it's because of that badge of honour of, of Britain's Got Talent. Because it's like, no, I can do this. Like, I've got the, I've got the badge of honour here. I know what I'm doing. I'm just working on something bigger at the moment and they need your help. So um, that's, that's been my piece for now. I think I've matured as a comic. I really like that. And I think also you've hit on a really important point because I know like, for example, Michael McIntyre's at Soho Theatre this week trying out material. I know a lot of comedians go to the Animal Fringe to try out material. It's so important that you're still grafting, that you're, you're never contempt with your material. You always want more. And I think it's really important that people realise that there's not an end goal. You know, it, it keeps going. You still put that pressure on yourself all the time to improve. All the time, all the time. You need to keep at it, keep going find that new stuff especially when you're in this realm of um doing tours i didn't know mcintyre was in a because he's my favorite comic so i'm definitely gonna go to one of these work in progresses by the way but um you have to work that muscle you have to grow i had to i then won bgt and then i announced a tour i didn't even have the material ready but i was like i'm gonna get it ready i'm not gonna have the material ready then announce okay a tour i'm gonna announce the tour and that i'm gonna fight for that um i like a deadline so i have to do it there is no if buts or maybes yeah and i had to go out and try and that was very hard actually just winning britain's got talent and everyone's like oh, okay and then it's like all right guys i'm just gonna try some new stuff 
by the way, yeah, I did one very good talent. Thank you for supporting me. But anyway, so um, joke number one, you know, it was very hard, but I had to look past that for the bigger picture. So what I kind of done at the beginning was hit them with jokes that I knew worked. So it's like, okay, you are funny, but I have to try these new ones. I have to do it. I have to, so I know what works and what doesn't. It's a long process writing new jokes. It's not just you go on stage and talk. You have to break it down, the timings, the tone. You got high bit and you got the low bits and then you got your energy. Then you got your body language. I use my body a lot to um, deliver the jokes. So it's how do I use it? And it's it's a lot that goes into it. But well, we noticed it especially when you go to a music concert. You expect the set list. You know you expect this song followed by this song followed by this song. And it's interesting because I can imagine some people be watching you on Britain's Got Talent going, but I want to have that live feel for you. For example, making your visor joke. I want to be able to have that performed. So therefore, I'm going to see you on tour or at a show and I expect that jokes to come again because that is your material. But you're right, it changes. I, I didn't even think people think that. Do, do you reckon people want to see oh, yeah. what they saw? Especially kids. Especially oh, kids. Yeah, yeah, because okay. I just think when you're in a live environment setting, right, and let's say you're at a concert and you're singing back that song, they want to know that joke. You know, It's almost like that expectation that I know what's coming. I yeah. want to see that routine. That's interesting because I've been having this debate with my um my team. Shall I throw in some BGT jokes in my tour? And I'm I've been saying no. But what you've just said has made me think, well, maybe that's what some of the audience want. And now I think about it. I went to a show one time and um at the end of the guy's show, a good friend of mine, he was like, Rob, what what do you lot want? I've got another few minutes. What do you want? And people he said, What joke do you want to hear? And people shouted out this joke. And um, he said, all right, I'll perform the joke. And when I tell you, everyone was almost saying the joke with him. As you're saying, I just realized, yeah, everyone was in awe of that joke. And they said it with him. And they delivered the punchline with him. So maybe you're right. Well, maybe hold on. Be- Think of your your favorite, Michael McIntyre, right? Mandraw. Yeah. Argos Catalog, yeah. right? Two incredible... I don't know what you call them, skits, anecdotes. They're not really a quick joke. It's a material, you know. People want that. I want that. If I'm seeing Michael McIntyre, I want him to tell me about the Mandra. I want him to tell me about the Argos catalogue. I don't. I don't. Maybe because... Because you know it or... Because, yeah, because I've seen it. I've seen it the way you've done it. And, yeah, I don't don't want to... I want to see something new. I don't want to see that joke. I know that joke. But can you appreciate a comedian's work now? Now that you're at the level you're at, can you actually appreciate what a comedian does? Because surely you're analysing everything. I know that, that setup. I know what you're doing here. And actually, I know where the punchline is. And therefore, I'm kind of waiting for you to get there because I, I know the mechanics around that. Yeah, but I've always... I've Not not now. You said, can you appreciate it now? From when I... From 2010, I was appreciating comics work because trying to understand... Being in that same field, I understand the techniques you're using. So nothing's changed in terms of the appreciation. I'm always a fan of comedy which is why I'm going to go to McIntyre show because I love to sit there. I'll see what you, and especially the work in progress for of like, now nah, that didn't work. I like all that. I don't appreciate it more or less. It's the same. I'm just a fan of comedy, the structure and building up a body of work. What was that moment you thought, right, I've got to actually do this professionally now? When I had a strong 10 minutes, 10 or 20 minutes, I can't remember. It took a while to build up and I'm like, this is airtight. This is solid. Oh, this no one can compare. No one can compete with my twenty minutes. And um, what you do is you take that piece of work around. So you be like, you go up to Liverpool, call up the um, the stores around there, 
you know, oh, my name is da da da, can you get me on? And just to see if it will work, like, yeah, I've, you know, this is my piece of work. And and then um, what you try to do is try to add to it. Um, and then I, I got a call saying, can you be on a, a tour? Um, it was called the Real Deal Comedy Jam. And it took me to like Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, and this is theatres. And I couldn't, and oh yeah, and they flew over some American comedians to headline. And I was the support act. Uh, this is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. With a few others, and that's when I was like, okay, let's... Let's see, because one, I wanted to hear, this is the first time working with the Americans, and I suppose I always used to watch American comedy, so I kind of looked up to them, to like, oh, I suppose your comedy's in my head, I thought it was better than ours, or mine, or whatever. So um, it was like, during the tour, it's like, you get to know them, and I made sure I was going to get to know you. So I was like, oh, what did you think of my material? And they're like, yeah, man, it was amazing, man, da, da, da. you should come to you um, the States. And I remember I, I gathered my money together and I went to New York. And I never forget the comedian's like, no, you're dedicated. You actually flew. I only said it out of just, oh, come over. And you've, you've flown over to say, well, I'm here now. Like, you know, get me on some shows and stuff. That transit crossing the borders was an eye opener as well because the, the comedy is different. The comedy world in New York is very different here. We know, for example, programs haven't translated well. They're like Little Britain, for example, mm -hmm. and Shameless. 
So what did you learn about yourself then? And then what did you bring back to the UK from those experiences? <sighs> We're going back. Um, I wish I could remember. I definitely did bring back something. I learned that not everything we say, they understand. I learned I had to s slow down my speech when I was out there. I learned that UK know a lot more about America and America knows very little about UK. Um, so the comedians come across and they're talking about at the time, I can't remember the president and this, and you know, we, we, we still listen, but we can't really go there unless we're talking about, I suppose, Harry and Meghan now, you know, it's all changed. But at the time we can't, they don't really care about our news, you know? So I just knew to slow it down and, but I'm quite an observational comedian. So I like to talk about relevant stuff that everyday people go through. I feel like it translates, hopefully, globally. You know, people like, I don't know, cyclists and things like that. Everyone knows about that or the workplace. My only problem was slowing it down and certain words, I can't remember the words at the time, but certain words, having to change it, it created a bigger laugh if I used a word or a sentence that they understood, which you'd never say in, a, in I don't know, in the in UK, but because I'm talking to them after, you know. That was the main, main things, really. Britain's got talent. Yes. 2022. Uh, you were scouted for it because that's the way they do things. You either yeah. apply, you get scouted. You had built up a following by then, you know, on social media. You'd already had your... I'm mean, not going to go down. I'm listening to Paul Chowder's podcast and you'll talk about the Amazon and the Indigo O2 stuff. I'm, it's, you know, there's no story there, is no, there? No. But you had a show on Amazon, but it's something that you uploaded on it, et cetera, et cetera. But my point is that you had a following. Yeah. And you were starting to build up an allegiance of fans. You're building up. You could have taken yourself on tour. And you kind of went for this other route of, I'll go on a TV show. So did you have an agent at the time? Uh, yes, I did. A lady called Sarah. Sarah Moore. Okay. So that conversation with her of, should we do go down this route? Because it's a platform. At the end of the day, it's another platform to go on. Obviously, it's done very well for you. But what made you go down that route of going, yep, I've been scouted. Yeah, I actually want to go on TV. Because that credibility of what you built up, now, yes, you're Axel Blake, the comedian, but you're also Axel Blake, the Britain's Got Talent winner. Yeah. Or I'm Axel Blake, who's been on Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. And so you've now got to work on yourself to lose that label mm. that you've spent so long building as just a comedian, being authentic like that. I went on Britain's Got Talent for the exposure. So, and I know how huge the, the eyes that are on Britain's Got Talent, especially being away for two years, the amount that was pumped into it, the promo behind it, it's like, oh, this year's... You know, it seems it's, there was a kind of excitement around it. So, you know, it was like, well, why not? What's there to lose? That, that was my, that was my, but I'd never had any intention of winning, to be honest with you, Johnny. I was just like, let me just, let me see what happens. Let's go on, have a bit of fun. Whatever happens, happens. And there was previous comedians that went on that are my, um, my peers that went on and got golden buzzes as well. So it kind of was like, like I said earlier, I'm I'm a man of risks. So I'm like, well, let, let, me, let me see if I can do it. And I did. I did get a golden buzzer. So it was just like, oh, wow, you know. So risk over validation. You didn't need to go on a show like that to be validated. No. Yeah, I can do this. No, it was no. more, yeah. let's have some fun. Yeah, let's see, let's see what happens. Let's, you know, why not? See, I get four yeses. It's on TV and maybe drop out the semi-final. Not me drop out, but probably it's a no from me in the semi. Done. At least I, you know, at least I was able to go on and see what happens and, yeah, that was that was it. It wasn't validation, no. So how did you find that experience being on there? Oh, wow. I don't know the word for it. There was definitely a word for it, but it was 
it was amazing. It was, it's, it's, it's the catching up because I filmed in January. January 16th is when my date was. 2022. 2022. And then it aired April 17th. So obviously I got the golden buzzer there. Anyone that was there knew. And then I, you know, came out the auditions, came out the building, and then life was back to normal. Everyone walking past in normal, but in my head, I'm like, something big's just happened. So in in this in the next few months or in four months, this is gonna be completely different. And it was just like I'm on cloud nine, and everyone, and I didn't even tell my family. So I've gone back, and I was like, I'm just acting different, and. I just wanted them to see it um, live. So it was just kind of, it's that catch up. I'm already up there. And then by the time it came on, I was already prepared. And where if it was happening in real time, it would have been a, I don't know what the feeling would have been. I didn't realize how big the golden buzzer was. You know, I just, I just knew about the fall because it didn't, it wasn't there from the beginning. I think it came in, I don't know how many years, five years ago or so. So it was that, it, it added a, a different energy to it because it's like the judges saying, Look out for that one. So people are, even though people are getting four yeses, everyone just cares about these golden buzzers. And I was like, what's this golden buzzer stuff? What's this? Like the newspapers just, they just, and there's only five. So it's more like, oh, who's going to be? And people backstage, that's all they're talking about. That's all they're talking about. And they're breaking it down. That was the thing for me at the time. I was like, whoa, everyone's, this is, this is a thing. They're really talking about this. And how did you find that? Because when you're a golden buzzer act and you're, you know, like you said, you're one of four people who's being picked out from everyone, that's where the journalists are going to start digging deep and they're going to want to sensationalise it. Because like we've just said, Britain's Got Talent is a very positive experience, but journalists don't like positivity. They like negativity. And yeah. so suddenly they're delving into your part. They're trying to find anything they can to almost ruin that golden buzzer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, like I said, I wasn't. I didn't go on the show for that. Mm. So when I became the golden buzzer, yeah, it just turned into, and it's Simon Cowell's golden buzzer as well. Of all the judges, it's like, what's up? What does someone call it? That's like a wet dream to news to journalists. Mm. Like anything Simon Cowell associated with Simon Cowell. So I was like, wow. So um, yeah, and of course, new papers like to dig. What did they dig up that you wish hadn't come out? Not I wish hadn't come out. When I was younger, I was in a youth offenders prison as a teenager but that actually helped me find comedy that's part of the reason why i started comedy i thought i don't need to be a naughty kid let me you know and that's what helped me find comedy actually broken a bio and um i actually had some jokes on it for bgt and i was like no so it's nothing i wish they didn't i just kind of thought oh i wonder if this is going to hinder me from winning or going to the finals and uh it didn't so but um yeah no they they did and and other contestants told me about this from long time because in that gap of January to February uh, January to April I spoke to a few of the um other golden buzzers from previous years and they're like oh clear your Twitter and I don't really post uh, anything on but like you know and anything skeletons come out the closet and I'm like I don't really have and it's like you need to make sure your exes are okay and this and that but I was okay with that so um no just... did you speak to your exes and say look this is a situation because no. obviously they've not come to fame they don't really know what to expect but also you've not got a rapport or relationship like that no just just my son's mum i spoke to her and she's like yeah no problem all good but yeah everything was yeah i didn't i don't really have it's really hard though isn't it because you're like you trust everyone you've been through so much of people in life and people come in and out of your life and you're like 
who would actually want to just benefit on 250 quid for a cheap story? Yeah. You know, and what is 250 pounds? It's nothing. Yeah. So what do they gain from telling that story? But there's always that one person that yeah. wants to reveal all the secrets of someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I didn't, I didn't, for some reason, I didn't have that worry at all. I think my only thing was, oh, the nation looking at me thinking, oh, look at this guy, this, um, look at the stories. Of it. There was no stories, but just that that sentence, youth vendors, uh, or, or some uh, newspaper article, ex-convict, it just sounds so harsh. Mm. There's nothing like that. But, you know, that, that that stuff can sound, and I was thinking to myself, oh, the nation, somewhere, people in Bristol, Swansea are like, oh, okay, they don't know anything about me, but they've just got that kind of information. That was it. But you're talented. We know this. You went went on to win the show. How has your life changed since winning in terms of being part of such a big thing like Britain's Got Talent? What doors have they opened for you? Apart from the tour and apart from the audience, has it opened doors like getting on 8 out of 10 cats, etc. now? Or is it actually you can't go in there because you're now being seen as a Britain's Got Talent comedian? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I feel like it's opened many doors. It's like, yeah, a lot of doors are like, yeah, course well of course you can yeah no problem yeah we have a table for two here for you sir and you know it's very much that, that I you playing that pr ticket already <laughs> i haven't i haven't had no you can't be on here because you won britain's got talent i haven't had that once yet you're going on tour the in the style tour what are you planning to do on it or have you not planned it yet what am i planning i've planned it i saw my mind 24 7 i'm planning to bring the fire jokes and I've just been piecing it together. I've been quiet on social media for that reason, actually. Uh, but now my body of work is there. And I'm like, oh, you're getting for a great time. So what's the process then? So like you said, it takes you, you know, it takes time to make your material. What is that process? Do you sit down? Do you start making notes? Do you do spider diagrams? Or is it, as you said, with observation, just looking at the world and just people watching, just seeing what comes up? Uh, a lot of writing. My notes in my phone and my little pad full of notes and um, but yes yeah, spider diagrams i have a topic and then anything that i could think about off the topic i write um i like to do it my main times i like to write is when i wake up in the shower i drive with no music so my mind's just in the zone and like when i'm on the train or something they're my main times when a lot of jokes will come to me yeah i'll just think of a topic and i'll start talking to myself like i'll go for a little walk and it, it just i don't know i kind of just piece it together which way can I go? Shall I speak from my side? Shall I speak for, from a friend's side? If I'm talking about a drink, shall I give the drink a voice? You know, like, and the drink said to me, no, don't, you know, shall I, I narrate it? Or shall I, you know, all sorts of ways or no, don't go that angle. Delay that bit and it's a big break. But I enjoy it. I do enjoy it. But then every idea, I have to go and try it and be like, okay, that didn't work. And I've got to go to another show and try it. So it takes a while. You could be like six, seven shows before that joke is like, okay. And then it's like strengthening that joke. So that was the hardest bit. That's why I had to kind of fully lock in because it's trying to write an hour material and good material in four months is wild. Brand new material. And to make it good, usually you need a year. And that's for people with writers. I just had to just dive into my space and really go crazy. But as you said, you're alone at it. You know, you're driving, you're writing alone. You haven't got a team around you. How are you feeling going on tour? Because I've spoken to a lot of comedians in the past and they get quite lonely being on the road. You know, it's liberating when you're there, but it's very much, you're on your own, you're on your own. You then turn up, you open the door, you're on your own in your dressing room, you go out on stage, millions of people are clapping at you. But then the show finishes, they go home and you're in an empty theatre on your own and then you get back in your car on your own and then you drive back on your... See, I know a lot of comedians who are very um, 
let's say they're not the most happy people all the time. Yeah. But what are you thinking? I'm used to being by myself. I enjoy it over the years, you know, traveling by myself. Sometimes to the point where I prefer being by myself now. So that's no problem for me. You don't have to be in your own. Sometimes I bring friends. If I'm really working like now, these past four months, it's just been me. Or maybe a comic friend. I've got a good comedian friend that's been, um, he understands the way my mind works. And he's been there like, oh, I liked what you've done. That one didn't work too well. So we're now driving back home or on the train back home, working on material. But in, in terms of just a friend that wants to see a show, I, I don't think I've got the time right now to, to, to do that because it's like I can use that, this, because the, the material is so fresh in my mind after a show. It's like I can use that with a comedian friend and um, bounce ideas off. But I've got no problem being at home, being alone. No the bouncing problem. ideas is really interesting because obviously we're in a very much of a world of cancel culture at the moment and it can happen any time. We know that people like Jimmy Carr and Dave Chappelle have been just cancelled like that. And so suddenly the way you look at the world has changed. The way we're looking at the woke world, the way we use language is changing by the day. How conscious are you of that cancel world that we're in? I'm aware of it, but it doesn't bother me. I don't have touching material. I don't have material that can offend people. I just don't, it's not where my humor lies. So yeah, I've seen it, I've seen it grow. Axel Blake there, follow your heart onto his website and go and see him on tour. And follow your heart onto Securities Kid. If you enjoyed this episode on Spotify, give it a five-star rating. And if you're listening on iTunes, it's a five-star rating and a review. It's really important we keep saying it's okay to not be okay. That was Axel Blake. If you love Britain's Got Talent, he was your 2022 winner. Also on Security Skill, we had Britain's Got Talent winner Richard Jones, the magician. Go and hear his story in the back catalogue right now. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.